Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Hold My Dream, where we navigate the news and politics with a chaser of civility. I'm your host, Jen, inviting you to grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and imagine with us how to create a new American identity together. What if I say no? Well, then I guess we aren't having a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It'll well, be just me talking to Jennifer, like for. And maybe we'll have an image of yeah. See Charles like doing that because he refused the recording. Right. So that is a good way to start this week's Hold My Drink podcast with Charles Love not accepting the recording. So you can see him there, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there he is talking. <laughs> so needless to say, we have Charles Love. The, I've got my counterweight co-host David Bernstein with me. A uh, little bit about Charles Love. He has his own podcast, the Charles Love Podcast. He also is with Wilfer Riley on the Cut the Bull Podcast. You'll see I've got my bull pictures up here for you, uh, Charles, in the background. No bull. <laughs> and he, no bull, no bull. And he also um, founded the um, Seeking Educa- Excellence in Education, C. Seeking Educational Excellence, not seeking the founder. E- seeking, what, okay, well, you, well. Go I'm ahead. One of the guys. Go okay. ahead. You're you're like you're the head one of the head guys. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I take the garbage out. <laughs> turn the last to leave. Turn the light off. All that good stuff. Okay. Well, before you tell us all about that, um, Charles, this is the you know hold my drink podcast. Did you bring a drink? To I did. Time? I have the nice popular Columbia's best roast. I'm drinking coffee. Nice, and you got it in a nice there mug. Got to keep it hot. I mean, you might keep me, you might keep me here for two hours. I want to still have hot coffee at the end. (laughs) David, did you bring anything? I did. You know, after you're telling too about me uh, having diet cokes from McDonald's, I decided Uh I'm going to really, you know, up my game. So I'm drinking a scotch on the rocks. Mm, I've shamed. Not have that at McDonald's. Yeah. No. No. no, They do not. No. I have shamed shamed me. Mm-hmm. But since then, you actually brought some um, cool stuff to the table, like frozen um, popsicle pina coladas. So I, you're I out of like the shame box now. Um, okay, I'm boring. Glass of wine. Cheers, y'all. Charles, Cheers. sorry, singing. <laughs> I was uh, thinking about pina coladas. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I love pina. Oh, I can't sing. Don't even get me started. <laughs> okay, now I'm thinking of Florida beaches. Um, <laughs> David. You start. All right. Well, it's great to have you, Charles. Um, so you're a black conservative. What is that like? Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, heck of a, that's a heck of a way to start a conversation. <laughs> it's uh it's 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 fine. No. Uh it's 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 um, you know, I guess like being any other like being any other guy. I don't know. It is um uh definitely uh, entertaining watching the discourse and watching people debate frivolous topics that won't mean anything in the end but for me um i guess what's interesting about it the only thing that's interesting about it is because it should be like anybody else that has a viewpoint you just guy with a viewpoint and most of the time you're just ordering food and going to work uh right. but it's interesting because people make so many assumptions about what that means. So they, you know, even if you don't say that, just, you know, they have assumptions about you based on your age. They have assumptions about you because you're black and all these other things and being a black conservative is just another one. So 
I don't really get, I mean, I hear a lot of black conservatives say they get hassled from friends and family or you know, social media or wherever they go. I don't really get that because that's not really, I mean, it's part of it, but most of it is not really that. It's political stuff and I'm not a political guy. So I think really the issue is black Republicans get a hard time all the time and I'm not a Republican. So when they, they attack me as a Republican, I was like, I wouldn't know I'm not one. And then that ends the conversation. So for me as a black conservative, it's uh, totally fine. America's great. It's a wonderful country. Life is beautiful. I mean, I, I, I like being me. I don't think I would uh, trade, trade it, which is ironic because I don't think most of the black people complain about how hard things their lives, lives are in general, because they're not talking about their life would trade theirs either. So, you know, we all got good and bad. It's a good thing. And so, you know, life as a black conservative is pretty swell. Mm. So when were you were you born that way? Were you born a black conservative? <laughs> I was born a black man in Mississippi. It's like the jerk. I was like, what the, the jerk. Thing? It was yes, the jerk. I, That's a great quote from the jerk. I love that. I was born black. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's, that part you were for sure. But you weren't presumably born a conservative. Did you have some kind of like intellectual moment that where you said, you know what, the politics that I've sort of lived with most of my life is not working for me, um, and now I'm now I'm going to declare or think of myself as a conservative? The listener's going to hate me because I'm so boring, you know. <laughs> I, I I mean, and, and and I know you hear a lot of that, yeah. But I don't think that's the case for as high a percentage as you think. Higher than mm. norm, but I would guess it. I mean, there's no scientific number here. I'm just going to go, uh, hold on. 50%. I would say 50% of those people have those stories, but most of them, really, if you really talk to them, were never liberal to begin with. They were just doing it because, you know, they keep telling me to vote. You know, so mama's a Democrat. Mama's like, boy, you 18 and you better go vote and go vote for Jimmy Carter. I'm kidding. I'm not that old. But, you know, there's this thing going in. You just do what mama said, right? So I was always, my mom would tell you that I was always analytical, always questioning anything to the point where the adults wanted to grab me around the neck. My neck is small because it was being squeezed so, for so many years. It's like mm. all the time. I'm like, but why? But that doesn't make sense. But you know what's going to happen if you do that. But you're not. Nah, you don't get to ask. But what you're saying makes no sense. So I just one day just decided to say, well, we have a two-party system. We keep talking about, I don't know what the Democrats or Republicans as a whole mean, I know what that one politician says, but I don't know what they really mean. I should probably figure that out. But what I do know is white folks don't get to have a choice between two parties and then I got to just vote for one. So I get to have a choice too. Who are they to get the choice? I want a choice, right? And I grew up in Northwest Indiana and then I found out that the GOP got to slap me down and they said, no, you don't get a choice because most of the positions, we don't even run anybody. So the Democrat runs unopposed. And if we do, we have that money uh, that we have to spend is limited resources. So we don't spend money to come to your neighborhood because nobody's going to vote for us anyway. So then I never saw any Republicans. So I was just like, uh, so I got stuck in the middle. I, was I had a period in my life where I was kind of opening my mind to say, let me in search of finding out what does it mean to be a Democrat or Republican? What are their views and what do I agree with and what do I not agree with? But even if I had started to agree less with the Democrats, I didn't vote for Republicans. I'm like, I'm not just giving you my vote if you're not going to come and ask for it. So I was in a political no man's land. Then I found a party. I realized they were back crap crazy, left that party. And now I'm in a political no man's land again. I was a Republican for about, I voted Democrat for most of my life. I was a Republican for about uh, 18 months. 
mm. 16, something like that. <laughs> Short lived. So mm-hmm. when you say hey, you're, I'm sorry, right. <laughs> when you're a conservative, um, what, what are, what are your views? What make you that? Well, Oh, you putting me on the spot here. See, so it's so yes, funny. People, but because it's what's funny about this, I will tell you this is that I am part of a nonprofit that deals with education. So I'm always busy doing that. I speak a lot. It's hard to shut me up. I got a radio show and a podcast, but I'm always interviewing guests, right? Dave has been on the show. So my conversations outside of coming up with questions, it's all about you. So people think, why, why? So I read a lot and I understand a lot, but I never really have to give my opinion if I don't want to. Because no ah. one's ever asking me. See, now you're I'm putting skin. me on the I'm spot. asking. Now you're putting yeah, me on that's okay. my job is to ask. Okay, so here's the thing. So what makes me a conservative is that I think, well, first of all, and I try to do this without putting any other groups down, but I, I just speak for me and I say that I am logical and I understand the importance of context. The importance of context. So I don't judge what is best for society or best for me based on whether it's perfect because perfect can be the enemy of the good. And I don't do it based on whether it was the right thing to do in 1842. And I don't look at America and only look at its flaws or compare its flaws with everybody else's good and just, you know, sweep all the other good on the rug. So I say that to say I I, uh, identify as a conservative because I believe that certain principles, the things that the country was founded on, um, the are are put us in a situation where we are most likely to give the most people the most freedom that we can give them with you know personality differences and, and legislative differences and some laws and some control you have to say in government and all that. So. It's the best that we have. And some people are trying to change that and I am trying to conserve it. I am a conservative because, um, and, and this is also part of the reason why I talk so rarely about politics and is because I think, you know, like they say, politics is downstream from culture. I think that we have been losing a cultural battle in America for, I can't say when, cause I'm not old enough, uh, at least, 20 to 25 years. I mean, there was a cultural problem before that, but not like it is now. The shift that we're seeing now, I say started somewhere in the late 80s to early 90s. So I was right at coming into my adulthood to see it. I started to notice it in the mid 90s. And and I immediately, once I noticed it, started to speak out about it, because even though I was young, and I'm like, uh, this is not good. And then we got to the point like we are now where everybody turns everything you say into political. So I may argue, let's say Jennifer and I have opposing views on any pick any topic out there, you know, crime, uh, LGBT issues, it doesn't matter. I'll say, this is what's best with society. That person will say, well, the Democrats do this or the Republicans will do this. I don't care whether they're Democrats or Republicans, they make it political. I said, but my argument has nothing to do with politics, mm-hmm. right? So I think being conservative, especially today, is being um, uh, understanding the the most beneficial aspects of traditional values and our um, culture as it was, you know, decades ago, and seeing the cultural push in the opposite direction, wanting to stop that as uh, desperately as possible. Mm. 
You know, I funny thing is the first part at least, because I don't know where you you are on these on some social issues. On the first part that you talked about compare the comparative reasoning that you use to understand America's perfect imperfections and what it does well and what it doesn't do as well. I completely relate to that. And yet I consider myself basically a liberal or center left. Um, and, in, and, and so it's, it's always interesting to have these conversations about how people define themselves politically because we're probably using different criteria to do it. And in some cases, we may be more in agreement than we realize. And I think that's always interesting to explore. Um, but are there specific social issues that you think make you a conservative? Well, I would argue, I would count the argue your argument and say classical liberals are really conservative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say that classical liberals they're are just, really liberals. They're just not today's <laughs> conservative. But they're not, though. But, the, but, the, but what makes them liberal? Well, what makes them liberal is that they, they stand up for freedom of expression, free speech. They stand up for the Constitution and so forth. Now, whether that's liberal or conservative, that could go in, go in either way. And it may be what separates a conservative and a liberal in the American context is really not those issues. Um, it may, you know, it may be that it's on other issues, whether you support immigrants and immigrant rights or how you see that pro-choice, pro-life. Maybe those are the issues that we sort of separate the two today. I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult now because all the terms are changing. I think mm -hmm. that's the reason why I, I had such a problem and I wrote the uh, article about both sides is because I don't think that there are two sides. Right. There is no either. These are binary choices. Right. Right. So um, and and David's trying to pull it out of it. He thinks he's slick. I had to watch it <laughs> because because mm -hmm. um, see, he's trying to get closer to two issues. And now <laughs> me saying this is going to make him try to make me do it more. And I'm just going to sidestep because yeah. I have my opinions on every issue. But the reason I don't voice them is because it doesn't matter. It doesn't define you. You can't really use it to define my conservatism or whether I'm a classical liberal because I could have the most staunch uh, what's considered Republican views on every issue. What makes it what determines whether I'm liberal, you know, small L or not, isn't that I'm against all those things that the, the Democrats are for or for them all. It's what I want the government to do about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So you can be pro-choice and not think, but still it's like, I think women should be able to do X, but I don't think it's the government's role. Or you can be like, all abortion is murder, but I don't think it's the government's role. So from a political point, you two are in the same space, but you have a totally right. different view on the issue. That's why, you know, giving up my, my, my viewpoints on all these ideas seems like it's, it's, it's a waste of time because people will get hung up in, in that. And I've had it happen before. I had somebody say, wow, you're the most centrist person I ever talked about. They asked me about a view and I gave them my answer and they were like clutching their pearls. And it was like, uh, but you are always so fair to everybody. I was like, yeah, but the difference is, is I'm not the problem. You're the problem. You asked me my opinion. Most of our conversations about what's right and wrong and what the government's role is, I, you know, I have a really clear understanding of that. And it may not be what I want them to do, but technically I believe that's the government's role, so do it. Right. But, but, but when you ask me my I, opinion, I give you my opinion. 
Right. The three of us, I'm going to say, because I know Jennifer quite well at this point, I'd say we're all classical liberals in the sense we believe that we should preserve the liberal operating system of American society, that it's absolutely critical that we have the cultural space to have meaningful conversations and that we should be lenient about uh, about people's opinions as much as possible um, and, and give them, extend them the principle of good faith and all of that. And and I'm, I'm I'm starting to think more and more that that's what defines me because that's the biggest issue right now in uh, in my view in American political life. Like it's not actually the role of government for me right now. I mean, I, although that's important, I'm not going to deny or my opinion or my moral stance on abortion. It's ultimately I'm much more concerned about how the cultural space to have um, to have conversations because I think that's so critical to a vibrant society. And I'm wondering, in some sense, if we're all part of the same party now even if we would have defined ourselves differently. 100%. That is the most important thing somebody said to me while, while the camera was rolling in about three years. <laughs> oh, the that's party so thing does not matter. <laughs> and and my, my views on a policy doesn't matter. Right. What matters is, do we understand what freedom is? Do we understand what the Constitution allows? Like, I don't care. You know, I've, I've, I've always been a rule follower. And I'm like, I'll follow the rules as long as I know what the rules are. Don't change the rules in the middle of the game. So if I believe the government shouldn't be doing something and, and I point to the Constitution, I get mad if you do it anyway because it's not in the Constitution. But to be fair, if, even if I disagree with it, if two-thirds of the population and they send the, the, their um, representatives to Congress and two-thirds of them decide that this is going to be the case, then you did, the, did those things and made those changes in the proper channels. But that's not generally what happens. And to your point, that's the reason why most of my conversations uh, as of late, I've been trying to have conversations with people who kind of identify themselves as liberal in the political sense that we talk about. But I see and I hear pushing back against, you know, canceling people or calling everybody who's not black or Hispanic racist and all that kind of thing. Because if we allow that, does anything else really matter? You know, <laughs> right. So we, you think it matters what the, uh, the laws around uh, illegal immigration or abortion or or policing is when you when you can just openly in in the culture just just like a witch hunt just stand up and say racist and then that person just loses a livelihood and that's okay yeah, yeah that, right. that's that's a problem yeah parties are about sort of priorities in some ways right like you know because a lot you know if I'm a Democrat I, there's things I've always disagreed with Democrats on or mostly on and Republican the same. And I and and now my priorities are around classical liberalism. And I think it seems to me that our goal should be to create a sort of center left to center right coalition on on classical liberal values of free expression of ideas. That's so fundamental to who we are. It's more important than these other issues right now. So all all that's my party. Right. So you're saying people should be adults. Because what they're doing now is they're saying, I don't like what you're saying. So instead of just saying, I don't like what you're saying or debating you on what you're saying, I want you, you know, drummed out of society. Yes, yeah. you must We're go not, They shouldn't be totalitarians. You must Whether go you want to go, Right, you, they shouldn't be totalitarians. Like let's, I'm anti-totalitarian. And that's what that's, those people are doing. That's a good place to be. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go back to something you said. You said there's been a cultural shift, you know, past decade or so. Can you put your finger on why or what exactly? Because I've got some ideas, but I want to hear yours first. Um, 
That's a hard, it's hard to say because there's too right. many factors. So because it, it's, it's more, it's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So we can say why the people were pushing it, right? We can talk about that. But then you also have to talk about why the rest of us accepted it. What happened in the culture? Because people have always been pushing extreme ideas, right? And the masses right. would say, get out of here, that's silly, go kick rocks. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm, I'm, I toss this around in my head. I think the bigger question is really why the masses changed the way they reacted to it. Because we can try to figure out why, I, I, you know, I was talking to somebody before and they were saying, they think it came from good intentions. Well, blacks aren't being treated well, so let's try to correct, correct that and overcorrect it. Or gays were being, there was gay bashing in the 80s. There was this attacks on gays. How do we fix that overcorrect? That might be the case. But there's always been some ex extremists. It's not like there's never been extreme political groups, why there's never been murderers, why there's never, all this stuff has happened. So the real question is why the masses have started to accept it. Why people have just started to shrug or accept bad behavior. So that's more of it. So if we analyze that, mm -hmm. that's what's more interesting. And I don't know if I've come up with a, a reason why. I think part of it might be, um, um, some twisted version of, of just trying to be better and be nicer. They think nice is the answer. Um, one of my biggest things I say, I mean, it ties to a religion thing, but it's really more, I think, now we have to find out why, separate issue. But one of the problems, what I think is probably the biggest problem is that we have lost our understanding. I was talking earlier about logic and context. We've lost our understanding of human nature. So. It could be a, a bit of a couple of things, a loss of religion. It could be education. Uh, it could be advances, technological and other advances. So we got this level of hubris where we're like, come on, we put people on the moon. We develop uh, vaccines when those, like the smartest people a hundred years ago were dropping dead because they couldn't figure it out. We've uh, done all this stuff. We've advanced beyond the need for religion because we can be moral on our own, all these other kind of things. So all of those came together. So whichever one had the bigger percentage, the end result was you had a, a society of people saying, I think we're ready. We're bigger, we're stronger. You know, bionic man got off the table and said, okay, we can do this now. We can fix the human. No more will we go to war over silly partisanship. No more will we be treating women different, you know, because all of these things, we can find a way to root that out of the human, human consciousness. People won't do it anymore. If we make us better, we make a more educated populace, and then we just pound down anybody who thinks differently, all those bad thoughts go away, and then everybody's just gonna be good to each other. <laughs> not understanding that one, it's not natural for human nature to, do, to, to act in that manner, but in your efforts to force people to be better and to act better, they just act bad in different ways. They, you didn't stop the bad behavior. You just made it different. So I think that was part of it. I mean, there was a time I talk about these in different uh, different examples uh, when, you know, there was all the teenage pregnancy isn't new. We have more of it, yes. But why do we have more of it? Sex isn't new. Uh, it changed the, 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 the amount changed by the way society reacted to it, right? It used to be a time where if you get pregnant, in, in, you know, 14, 15, 16, and high school, and weren't married, that your neighborhood and your community shunned you, right? 
they would send you off to camp. And when they came back, mom would just pretend she had another baby. Yeah. Now you get pregnant when you're 14 and they throw you a party. In fact, I mentioned that on the podcast before. And my guests taught me something I didn't know. They said, no, no, they have daycares in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that? They're doing it because they're trying to solve a problem. So, such a high percentage of the girls have kids. We got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But all these things beget new problems, right? Mm-hmm. So I think some of these things happened because uh, of reactions to a lot of factors. But the biggest thing is thinking that we can fix humans. Yeah, we kind of normalize, you know, dysfunction when we're in some ways, what I'm hearing you say, like we normalize dysfunction when we are in some of our attempts at good problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I, the reason I asked that question is because, you know, my, my co-author, he talks about often, he really felt like he grew up in Virginia in the 70s. And he, I mean, he thought that that was a golden age, you know, the new South and whatnot became a very, you know, successful Harvard trained lawyer, lives, you know, minutes from the beach in San Diego, has a, you know, family member who is equally as privileged. And um, the conversation in the household is blackness is oppression, nothing else matters. This is a family member, um, you know, who's been given a lot of privileges. And so he wonders if it's not the cultural shift isn't like a, a generational shift in a way. And if that generational shift didn't begin with some of the new dialogue that we have a, around uh, critical race theory, critical social justice, this idea of like a lot of that stuff that you write about in Race Crazy, you know, the 1619 Project, and whether or not that's kind of shifted the generational dynamics that has caused that cultural shift. Well, of course, I, I think, but I think that uh, it's the, if you're talking about the chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. uh, that it came after. It just made it easier for the things that they were doing to happen because now those that, if you're talking about age, those younger generations are taught this stuff in school and at the university. So it became more of a norm. We all know that. Whether you agree, even if you agree with it, people, logical, honest people who agree with it will say it's a good thing that it was solved, but they'll admit that, that you know, they're, if you're 30, 35 maybe, when you were in college, you were taught some of these things, right? So now you're 35 and you're a professor and you're teaching these things at an elevated level. So those are facts. But it doesn't change the fact that the shift was happening before then and there was a normalization of it that made it okay to teach these because of course okay that 35 year old when that 35 year old was in college and they had a professor who was teaching that times were different the administrators of the college could have just been like you're not teaching that crap get out of here right it could have been shut down then but it wasn't um and the race issue there's always been people talking about the problems of the black man and the disparities of of, uh, and, and gaps in certain areas that's not new. I mean, honest people would, would, would have to admit that the gaps are, are, are either lessening or the gap is the same size, but everybody moved up a bit. So you can't say that poor black kid in, 19, in, in 2021 is in the exact same position that that same kid would be in 1971. That's foolish. But those arguments were always there. I think the difference is 
I still say that the biggest difference is how it was, um, how people reacted to it and what they slowly started to accept. So uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan sound an alarm about the single household. People, you know, called him a racist, uh, even though he was probably, today he would be considered on the progressive, he would be in the AOC wing of the Democrat party, basically, right? He was progressive for the time, right? He was saying, he was saying it to say, hey, let's fix this, not because he had some, some problem with the group that he was talking about. And now we talk about how it's so much more in the black community, but we ignore the fact that it's 40% overall. So it just got normalized across the board. Um, you can say that about the, the helicopter moms. You can say that about, you know, take the score. Remember when that was a big thing where people were talking about, uh, well, don't keep the score, you know, or let's have a mercy rule because we don't want the kids to lose by a certain, certain number of points and all this kind of stuff. All this stuff was a precursor of everything you're seeing now. If somebody would have, so you're telling me, think about it. If when they said mercy rule, the adults in the room said, get out of here. You don't want to lose by 70, play harder, right? If that was the response, <laughs> we would be arguing now if boys can compete in high school and in college as, as girls, and even though they're physically more dominant. Do you think if they had not allowed that progression in the late 80s and early 90s, that today we will be having this strongly considering this argument, not saying that people wouldn't be pushing it, would society be strongly pushing it and considering it saying, well, maybe boys can, if they say their girls can compete against women, and even though they win 98% of the time, sounds fair. Do you think that that would still be happening if we had been slowing down the other things 15 years ago? Because I would argue no. Mm -hmm. it's a, so you say it's a progression. It's been adding on to each other, on to itself for years now. Yeah, yeah, it has. And and we see it. And it's not just one thing. It was like onslaught. It wasn't just, you know, one thing. It was every every aspect. It was crime. When I grew up, there was crime in the Black community. There were crime in certain areas. There were crime, more crime in poor areas than other areas, but there was crime. But people didn't condone it. People weren't like, well, you know, it's systemic racism that made Johnny shoot somebody. We'd be like, stay the hell away from Johnny. That nigga crazy. <laughs> That, that's what they would say. They're like, man, don't, don't go over there by them. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't mess around with them. You hang out with him, you're going to be in jail or shot. It was just cool. Nobody got mad when you said it. People were like, yeah. And then they're going about their life. Now you say that, it was like, well, why do you think Johnny shot that guy? Systemic racism, the white man. And people were like, yeah, that makes sense. There's no way they would have said that then. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talked to one of my progressive friends and it, and it hurts me, but I knew it and I just wanted to lay it out. I said, so, and, and, and I like to use, paint pictures when I describe my point so people can understand. You don't want to go, make it too complicated. Poor black girl, smart, came from the hood, got a, got a scholarship to a, to a top school. She's going to Harvard. Let's put her at Harvard. She's going to Harvard, but she still, she's, her family's poor. She still wants to help her, her family. So she got a full ride, but she took a part-time job at a convenience store so she can send money home, help the family. Maybe she's the old, oldest kid. So she's got a day off. Somebody needs a day off, offers her a shift so she can pick up the shift, make some more money. So she goes in on a day off to pick up her shift. She's at work behind the counter. Somebody comes in to rob the liquor store. They put a gun in her face and say, give me the money. She opens the register. She gives them the money. The guy shoots her anyway, right? He leaves the store. She, you know, she dies. They catch the guy. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm talking to my liberal friend and they're like, uh, 
what, what do you so they find, catch the guy the guy's black uh what are you doing it's like well we need to consider his background his childhood what has happened to him in the past the way he lived to understand what led him to that point when you talk about sentencing you can't just throw the book at him you can't be there bro. and i said i don't even have a problem with you bringing up the subject of his, his, his past and his situation to try to be kind to him because kindness is good my issue is you thought about him first and not the girl who was also mm -hmm. black from the poor neighborhood who got shot in the face mm -hmm. and we get that all the time somebody gets arrested it's like well you know what happened though why i mean we have to understand why these people do it they don't just do it for whatever reason well first of all some people do right we act as if there's this poverty thing there's something about being poor and there's a light switch so it's a level once your 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 income household income level hits a certain part you all run out the house and just start start robbing people but if mm -hmm. we sit back and think we all know that's not true and even in the black community we knew poor people in our generation or the generation before and most of them weren't still in still in things and to be fair it's not a generational thing let's be fair most black people and most poor people today don't steal and don't shoot people. So don't, when somebody shoots somebody, don't say it's because they were poor, because what about the 98% of black people and the 98% of poor people who don't shoot people? Mm -hmm. So don't say I, poverty made them do it. Right. So I have a question for you. This one has been like sitting with me for a while. You know, there's a lot of talk about systemic racism and it is the main explanatory factor for why there's, disparity among groups. And sometimes when I'll say, listen, I think there is systemic racism, but I don't want to suggest that it always explains all disparity because I think there are other factors that might explain disparity depending on the context. Um, let's, let's be able to talk about that. The, the, the woke person will say, well, what other possible explanations might you give? And they almost are setting a trap, it seems to me, that they want you to say culture. And you, and if you do, then they can call you a racist and dismiss everything you've said. Um, and yet, I feel like we haven't done a good job, those of us who want to talk sensitively and thoughtfully about culture, we're not trying to, we're not trying to treat it as, uh, we're not trying to demean anybody, we're just trying to be honest as someone recently said to me, clear eyes, but uh, full heart about, about the problems in society. Um, we want to be honest about it. And yet, I don't think we've developed a vocabulary for talking about it. I don't think we've said, when they say, well, give me the other explanation other than critical race theory or systemic racism or whatever, we don't have this word that explains what it is and, and then resonates with people as, as something that we are able to talk about in public. Do you agree with that? Am I wrong? Or how would you talk about these issues? Well, I would first encourage everyone to get a copy of Race Crazy and read that <laughs> two or three times and then go read We Want Equality, my previous books, read that a couple times, and then you'll have all the answers. Well, <laughs> first, I get why you do it, but you saw me pretend to be ticking over here. You can't say there is systemic racism. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You agree, we agreed earlier, you set the groundwork that, you know, what liberalism is and what, what's most important and what you think is an issue. You cannot win that fight once you concede that ground. You are now unstable and off balance. You will lose that debate. If I, if I say that- You cannot win by giving them their argument that there's systemic but, but, racism. Well, let, me, let me push back on you for a second. I'm not saying America is systemically racist. 
I'm saying that I think I can point to institutions or specific examples when a system or structure is rigged in against black people. Give me one. I, I think that there are examples of it in the criminal justice system. There was a great podcast that Barry Weiss had um, that I was just listening to on the car ride before this. And she was talking about how there are certain uh, that that uh, sickle cell anemia is um, is way underfunded compared to cystic fibrosis, which is much more of a white oriented uh, disease. So underfunded by who? By under by the government. And that, uh, that, even though that, that it's four justice? times more. Well, that I, I switched gears. Threw me off. Okay, okay, you switched. Okay, gears. I switched okay, gears. Fine. I switched okay, gears. Uh, okay, but I, I even with criminal justice, I could come up with an example um, where I think that there's probably some system. Evidence I love this because every example you come up with, I will destroy. Right, you want to be able to, but that's where the conversation. Hundred percent, I can. Yeah, I'm not so sure, but well, I then give me one. one. We can do your super cell if you want to. Okay, let's go for it. You go okay, destroy so, that one. So, <laughs> so in order to, to, to decide whether it's because because I'm not saying that there's not discrepancies. That's that what I'm arguing. To say it's the systemic, you must be saying that there's a, 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 a clear intentional reason that the government is doing that, and 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 the reason that they're doing it is to be treat blacks unfairly. Well, they, they, the, the the systemic racism people would say it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. Of course they, it does. They're, they're wrong. Because right. they'll say that that's I know they'll say that, but you won't say that. When you say systemic racism, that's not what you say. And to them saying that the problem is, and I know they won't say that because I know them uh, like it's, <laughs> like I know myself. Uh, I live among them. And I know that's <laughs> what they'll say. But the problem is the reason they lose is because they say every discrepancy is. And it doesn't matter right. what the intention is. So they eliminate every other factor. So that may, that would be- so That's what they're should, trying to do. That's right. the so, whole thing behind all this is to eliminate all other factors. It's, it's like what Jonathan Hyde said, CRT is cuckoo. Not because it's crazy, but, but it's like a cuckoo bird that won't allow any other bird's uh, eggs in its nest and will push them out. That's right. what CRT is or what this systemic racism is. It doesn't want us to talk about any other factors. Right. I, I mean, I know that, but, but but what I'm saying is, yeah, that's 100% true. And they're the, you can't argue with them on that point because they're going to say that's the case regardless of what you say. But the bottom line is, if every discrepancy is racism, why is the, every discrepancy only racism when it disproportionately affects Black people? Right now, the, well, the it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be, but there, it, it is possible that there that there are certain. No, I'm talking about their argument. Right. You're trying to throw me off, Dave. I need to know which okay. argument are we talking about? Your <laughs> argument or their argument? Right. Okay. Let's go with let's go with intent. Okay. Let's go with the intent piece of it. Okay. So, Louise. So, let me come up with a better example of that because I think you could argue that it's very possible that on the case of cystic fibrosis versus sickle cell anemia, that that's not intentional. That there's all kinds of other factors that would explain why one is funded better than the other, right? Um, but but let's go with let's say um, this uh, Louisiana's um, policy around implementing a drug laws. A, a few years ago, I watched this incredible documentary about the criminal justice system and what was mm -hmm. wrong with it. And you had a group of sheriffs say, um, look, um, right now the state cannot afford to 
sustain all these prisons, state prisons. So they're sending um, prisoners over to us at the local level. And we're making a lot of money and we're incentivized, they implicated, that we can go out and and, and put all these people in jail on low level uh low-level drug charges and they were they were putting these people in jail like for you know two ounces of marijuana for 10 years because it actually financially benefited them and almost all those folks were black folks and so you can say well that's systemic racism and there might be some intentionality in that as well no my turn yeah it's all you, you never you never said black until you forced it in at the end you never yeah. said, hey, we can make money if we lock black people up. So we go out looking for black people to lock up. See, what I take from that is it's racist because what you're saying, I know it's not your intent, but I'm taking the words because I'm a, I'm a literal person. The words you just gave me was it's unfair to lock people up for low level drugs. I'm on your side. Right. But that's not the topic. The topic is race and systemic racism. It's unfair to lock people up for low level drugs. But the state has incentivized local governments to do it. So they're doing it because they benefit from it. Still check. Still check. And therefore, obviously, they're going to lock up the black, the, the black people because black people can't help themselves and must do drugs. Because the, because the policy didn't say black. The policy, the incentive, and maybe was, the incentive right. wasn't going to say black. So what you're saying unintentionally is that blacks can't help themselves. They must do drugs. Other groups uh, don't have to say drugs. don't have to do drugs because... But, 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 but true, now let's be honest, because when you say that, well, obviously it's going to disproportionately affect Blacks because Blacks are, are, are the ones who are out there getting arrested because the Blacks are doing drugs. It implies that Blacks have to do drugs. They have no self-control. Right? Yeah. The well, drugs are available to everybody. Every American, just like every American has some opportunity, every American can go out and buy illegal drugs. Right. So now you so remember it's a common reframing of black community that that CIA and they just drop drugs in the black community. Uh, okay, uh, you know not that it's true, but okay. All right. Um, it's not true. Did they then go in at night and grab the drugs and then while you were sleeping shoot it into your veins to make you an addict? It's not so. So what I'm saying is whatever the the, the policy is, the policy didn't say black. The policy said lock up people who are who are right. who are in possession of two ounces of drugs, whether we agree with it or not. And but the suspicion is that they're actually targeting black communities. I know there's not a lot of evidence of that, other than the fact that the most of the people that they're locking up are black people. Because most of so, the people, because the people that are locking up, are they the only way that's racist is if they're locking up, if they get incentivized to lock people up, and the people that they're locking up are majority black, and they're not carrying drugs. Or they're, they're, or they're just ignoring the drug problem in the white community because they'd rather right. lock up black people than white people. But and I not. think there's a system. We know that's not true. But wait, wait, wait. That, that true. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, staying on criminal justice. Is it true, though, that in general, if you had a, you, you picked up a, a black man for a crime and a white man for a crime, same crime, low level drugs, let's stay on the low level drugs, that typically the black man gets a longer sentence than the white man? Is Sometimes, it, and if that, I mean, I, I feel like that's on average more so, and it could that point to systemic racism? Not really, because 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 every because these things are situational. So what people will do, they'll say, Charles and Dave both got arrested. They were both had the same background, so not even because somebody on the right will come out and say, but maybe they had a different cr criminal uh, history. Nope, same criminal history. They got different time. Did they see the same judge? Did they have the same drug? Were they in the same city? Because 
we, what we're doing, we're doing statistical gymnastics and we're taking money numbers and swapping them around. So we already know states have different laws, right? We can disagree with the law. So let's say Texas is a red state and it's more stern and New York is a little bit more liberal in the crowd. So they'll take a guy, they, they're not taking, they got, I'm telling you, look it up. They're not taking, they'll have an instance, but they are not taking everybody from the same county in the same situation and taking 20 examples and setting them aside and saying it's never happened. They're just taking blacks across the country with the same type of offenses and whites across the country. And then where they find discrepancies, they'll, they'll pull them in together and say, see, so, but they're not the same place. They're not, they're not all in the same state. They're not all with the, so I, if you had those numbers and you only looked at a particular county and you pulled in all that information, a lot of those discrepancies fall away. I'm telling you, I've seen all these numbers and they'll say, see, yeah. a no, I agree, I agree right. a lot of what's claimed to be systemic racism. When you control for other factors, you realize right. it's not systemic racism. It can be, by the way, class factors. I mean, right. you look at that and the health that. outcomes. Yeah. But I also want to, I don't understand why we focus so much on, and in most of the situations, like the healthcare is a good one. You can focus on the sickle cell thing, but a lot of times they want to focus on, it's, it's asinine to me that you want to focus on bad behavior and who gets treated worse for the bad behavior. The problem with yeah. that is most of us aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Well, okay, this is something that I struggle with a lot This um, in, in my conversations. So, all right, a lot of this I think is class issues, mm -hmm. okay? I think it's the class issues. Let's just stay on drugs. Like I think, you know, you typically find people who are lower um, income kind of gravitating towards that. All right. I, I might be wrong. Well, well, certain types of drugs. People with money do drugs too. They You're do different right. drugs. You're mm -hmm. actually right. You're actually right. Okay. They like the party drugs. Right. They, they yeah. Like yeah. 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 All right. Let's street, street drugs and more poor neighborhoods or you, it's, it's more um, available. Right. Okay. It's just, no, it's just cheaper. They're all available, but if you pour, you can't afford an eight ball of, of cocaine, but you can afford, you know, um, you know, crack because it's cheaper. But would you say, would you agree, or am I, am I totally off mark here, that you would typically find those in lower incomes more um, addicted and then, at crime, yeah, the, and then getting involved in crime? Is it typically a class thing? Well, well, that's two separate things. Not more addicted necessarily, but more uh, typically uh, connected with the crime. Yes. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, then let's go. With, we'll stick with that then. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. And I know that, you know, this is something I talk about all the time and, and I struggle with this is I know that there's no causality necessarily between slavery and crime today in the street. I know. I know. I love, love your eyes because I'm reading your book. What? Oh, I'm I sorry. Go ahead. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why you needed a drink. Yes, I'm ready. Okay, Charles. But that is, I'm, I'm going to your book now. That is the connection that a lot of people make, particularly 1619 Project. Project, that slavery is the root of all evil. And so my conversation too in my writing is, okay, where is that, that causality there? But I do have to tell you that, I mean, if you by the narrative. So correct me where I'm wrong. I'm going to tell you what the narrative is as it, as perceived by Jennifer and you tell me where to break that narrative. But if you buy the narrative that, you know, slavery kept people down, then you had Jim Crow, there was all the redlining and so there was less ability to to, you know, take uh, capture wealth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, and that those things take time. And so now we're 2021 and 
by and although there's these opportunities, I, I don't believe in 2021 we have the systemic racism, but you know, that you, you know, my family, while we're not at all wealthy, but you know, my family were ranchers and you know, we've got some land and you know, built on each other, yada, yada, yada. Um, that some families weren't able to do that because of certain policies. And so now they're at a, there's a there's a not a level playing field. And so you've got more minorities in poverty situations, in um, street drug situations. And therefore, you know, there needs to be some consideration for our past in addressing some of the problems that we see today. Break that down. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that was a mouthful. I know. I'm sorry. Well, it was my turn to talk. I was really. <laughs> um, well, everything that you mentioned is true. Um, but it is, we don't live in a vacuum. Is the problem? And when you when you look at it that way, everything was true. Yes, it had long lasting effects. And if you were started out. If you started out with less wealth than others, then you know you're never really going to make up that gap. Very few will, some will, but very few, very like small one percent will actually make up the gap of somebody you know whose family now three or four generations later have uh, so much more money. Two problems with that, even though it's true, I'm not discounting everything. Anything you said, everything you said is factual and is true, and it does have an effect. But one. It um, assumes that somehow, even minus slavery, that either people would have been in the same place financially as, as generational wealth is concerned, or they should have been. Um, we act as though without you know, blinders on, so focus on the ills of, of, of slavery and racism and, and the treatment of Blacks. We act as though there were no, and are no, but we're, we're no, let's talk of generationally, there were no poor whites in this period of time. So I would argue that trying to fix that, that's all true, but trying to fix that and saying that it affects Blacks today is like I said to David, that something he said was technically it's racist against Blacks because you're saying that they can't, the Blacks can't help themselves, they're all drug addicts. Right, which is not his and anybody else's intent, but that's what saying arresting people with drugs is racist. The policy is racist because even though it doesn't say black, because of course, of course the colors are going to be the ones doing the drugs. Well, it's the same thing, it's, but it's to white people. It's saying that if it wasn't for slavery, all black people would be Oprah. So that means you treated all black people poorly, which is crazy. Everybody wasn't going to be Oprah. But it also implies that if you're poor and you're white, then you're truly a screw up because. White privilege is across the board because Oprah would tell you even poor whites have white privilege. So if I'm a poor white, I'm like, they're saying, what the heck is wrong with you? You've had gold dropped on you your whole life for three generations and you're poor. Gosh, you're a loser. That's basically what that's saying. Because, and then to the stats, there are important stats out there that can give us good, clear ideas on what the what, what the root of the problem is and how to fix it. I don't think we ever, none of us, left, right, or center, look at the root of the problem. I try to, nobody else does. I'm the only one. <laughs> Pay attention to me. So we talk about poverty. So do you know what percentage of Blacks live in poverty in America right now? 
not, one, not, not third? that much. One third. Isn't is 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 two thirds of the black community middle class or higher? Yes, but I've got to say, every single person, don't go back because everybody does it unless they're a stat, statistician. Every single person gets high. Everyone, everyone, black, white, Republican, Democrat, everybody yeah, so gets I'm high. Gonna, I'm going to go with 15%. Well, see, that's because you tried to say a third the first time. But yes, we're around 18 to 20 third because, well, I caught myself because I realized that just because you're not middle class, middle class doesn't mean you're in poverty. Right. But see, right. this is the key point, though. But this is why I say about numbers are important, but you need, we, we are great. All the stats are great, but you need all the information, not just what somebody picked. So let's say poverty is 18 to 20% of the black. Let's call it 18%. Might be a little higher because of Let's call it 18%. What is it for whites? What is it for whites? I'm going to go with 11%. That's pretty good. It's a little less than that. But people think, I've had people's guess. If I say, give me both, they say 40 and six, 29 and two, right? Because they think the disparity is so bad. So think about the racism. This is why it's important, you two, because you both really care. You want to try to solve this problem, right? So let's think of the root of the problem. Think about Jim Crow. Think about redlining. Think about the, the when people did make money in the early 1900s, the Tulsa Massacre, all these uh, racist white people taking their stuff. Think about a hundred plus years of slavery. And for whites, it's like seven and a half to 9%. Right? So there's a discrepancy, but it's not like 40 and 10. So with all that, you're talking about a gap that's here. You talk about graduation rates from college, right? More and more blacks are going to college. There's still, but I think the last time I did it, when I researched for the book, I don't remember the number, but I think is still close to 51, just over half of the people don't have a degree, right? And that's white and black, right? So we look at, we live in this elite bubble where everybody's successful and everybody's moving around. And then we, as these elite whites, look at these poor black people. Well, most black people aren't poor and all white people aren't middle-class. So if we're going to just focus on the, the mistreatments of black over, over the years, not just because it was wrong, but because it's still affecting black. It's not affecting every black person. And you're ignoring all the other people. Let's be real, the government was made up of people. So the system's not racist, but people in the system have done some really, really racist things and, and immoral things. And we've slighted a lot of people, Jews, Native Americans, Irish, and whites, women, white. The, most people, I, I like to throw out these stats. Some of these things are in the book that white men who didn't own property didn't get the right to vote into Andrew Jackson, the first populist president. So we keep saying white men, white men couldn't vote for a hundred and some years. Right. And, and then the women, this is the try to so we all know this, but we don't let it sit on us. White women got to vote 70 years after black men. Hmm. So the black male slave got to vote before the white woman. She couldn't own property. Right. That's what I'm saying. So so if we're going to right the wrongs, we got to right all the wrongs. So then we're just all broke because we're spending all our money writing wrongs. And then China and Russia just come and beat us over the head because we're wasting our time writing wrongs. Suck it up. Yeah, well, that that right. that that's its own issue. <laughs> Can I ask a question here? Can I ask a question? So you're, you've said before that you haven't really been that pilloried by other people. One of the things that I've been criticized a lot for um, is that we're cherry picking uh, a very small minority of black voices to highlight because they don't really, the real representative voices are much more woke, much more left wing, and they're the authentic representations. And here you are, you know, given a narrative that's very different than that. 
Um, and so I'm trying to hold it up, lift it up and make it sound like that's the authentic voice of the black community or whatever. What do you think about that? Like, um, how, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're, fr if, if you go back to, to the people, you know, your friends, extended family, like if you take, um, and, and you, they hear this podcast, um, are they going to be like, what percentage of them are going to be shaking their head like Charles is like screwing us and to what uh, percentage of them? Sorry, if I, I don't know if that makes uh, Jennifer's language rules. I don't know. if that's <laughs> in, um, And um, she, she's more sensitive about those things than I am. Um, and to what degree are, um, are, are those gonna, people going to say, yeah, Charles is making sense here? Vast majority will agree with me. Mm. You know what? Whoa. Um, because here's the thing. I'm gonna, drink, I'm gonna have to have another drink. I'm sorry. One second. <laughs> no, but here's the important thing. Not on everything, but on my premise. You know, I've done. A, 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 I, wrote, I write articles. I've done TV. Every time I've been, my friends, uh, they they eye me and they text me. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And are the ones who are more politically engaged and more liberal would say, I wanted to, to to be mad at whatever you said, but I agree with every word you said because they disagree with you politically because they're so stuck in the political ideology. But in general reference, you know, everything I'm saying is true. It, but my message is technically a pro-Black message. You can spin what I said as a negative, but if you take it out, like you say, pick, cherry pick. If you cherry pick what I actually said and take out the my explanation, if you just took out the facts I said, what I said is stop saying all Black people do drugs and that we don't have any agency, we can't control ourselves, that's racist. Mm -hmm. Stop mm -hmm. saying we're all poor, we're not poor. Stop saying that we shoot. You keep talking about shootings in the community. Yes, we have an issue in our community, but you do know 98% of Blacks don't commit violent crime. So you're only talking about this many people committing crime, but all the talk in the white community is about how Black community is so violent. The Black community is not violent, right? And they're, so their replies is like, yeah, because I lived in the hood my whole life and I've never, and I'm comfortable and I never had an issue. So they know it's true because of what I'm saying is stop acting like we're, we're weak and we're dumb and we're criminals. Because that's what the, the narrative is saying. Now, they may mm. disagree with me on, you know, whether the government should pay back this, that, or the other. And I'm not even saying that the government doesn't owe anything. I'm saying if you think that's going to fix something, good luck with that. I'll be on the other side counting my cut of the money, talking about what are you going to do when this happens. So that's that's one thing. <laughs> the other point to what you're saying, and I, and, and, I, and I don't say that. I say this sometimes. Read the pre preface to my first book, and I talk about this. But... When I wrote that, it was a different time. So now it's different because obviously I've, I've been elevated to at least be able to rub elbows with some of these people and they're really bright and I like them. But I've challenged a lot of academics, uh, you know, uh, black and non, you know, people uh, who push back against this stuff. And I say, we need to get this out to the masses because the problem is this twofold. We have academics speaking to other academics. So they might have a great solution to a problem, but the regular people don't hear it. But the other problem is um, that, the black voices that speak logically and, and clearly from the right are all college professors. So yes, you're gonna get that, you know, Uncle Tom thing, that kind of blah, 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 that kind of whatever, because they're like, yeah, he's only saying it because he's making it. I'll be honest, you need to elevate voices that didn't go to Harvard. So I don't get it because I'm not a college professor. Mm -hmm. I don't get it because I don't, um, you know, uh, approach things in a way that would make them say that, not that they do, like, you know, like, like the people that I associate with myself with don't, but there are Black conservatives out there that Blacks, other Blacks think that, not that they're wrong, but I don't like their approach because they put down other Blacks. So if you don't approach it from that standpoint, 
then you get a different response. And to, lastly, to your average person, go listen to my podcast. I, inter- I interviewed my brother. My brother is a blue collar worker who didn't go to college and he sounds exactly like me. Less animated though, but he says the same things. Don't feel hunted. Don't have a problem with police. You know, don't think that, you know, I don't go around th- saying all white people are racist and, and most people are fine. Some people are not, but the people who aren't are just bad because they're jerks, not because they're white jerks, right? We don't need mm. to cover the joke. I, I did the, the jerks. I don't think, I think the average black person is like the average white person. There's a joke I used to sell to my, to, to my white friends. I was like, you get a kick out of this. Most, a lot of black people, unfortunately, they think that you all go home Friday after work. You get your drink, you hold your beer, pour that wine, and then you go to your friends and you go, black people, right? <laughs> they actually, there's a large segment. Now, not the other stuff that they don't, you know, give me a hard time, like you said, Dave, but there's a large percentage of the black community that think that, right? And I would joke that my mom's one of them. I would joke, I'm like, what do you think they're saying? They honestly have such, and I say this narcissism. They think that you talk about them all the time. I say, you know what white people do when they go home? They bitch about their boss. They talk about, I wish I had a different job. They talk about where we're going to go on vacation. They talk about what the kids are going to do because they do in life what all the rest of us do. They don't have time to be talking about the black man. The problem is, this is why I call it narcissistic. Your problem is, I'm talking to the black people who talk like that, is that you think, it's like, it it was the precursor to anti-woke. I wrote this in my book before people, I mean, anti-racism, before people started talking about anti-racism. I saw it coming about seven years ago. Find that book. It's called Logic, The Truth About Blacks in the Republican Party. And what I said was that Black people feel that is not being racist is not enough. If you're not actively talking about Black people all the time, then you're a racist. So if you don't sit around saying, so what can we do about poor Blacks? Then you're a racist. This is before people start talking about anti-racism. I wrote that. I said, you, you, you have such, you are so narcissistic that if a white man's not talking about you, he's, it's the same as being a racist saying, I hate Black people. Saying I hate Black people is racist and not talking about us all the time is also racist. That's silly. Why do you want them to talk about you all the time? They have their own lives to live. You don't sit around talking about them all the time. But you know what? You know what's so funny because of media, because of everything that you said, because the media has really placed this emphasis on um, this very small segment of society, and and they've created this narrative around um, you know black life. Now a lot of white people believe same narcissism that you know at the end of the day on the end of Friday, a black man you know goes home and goes white people. Right. <laughs> We go home and say, give me a beer. We say the same thing. We give me a beer and say, what did you do at work, man? I got that on my nerves. Uh, Whatever. If they're single, like, who am I going to date? It's typical stuff. They don't care about that kind of stuff. And and, and it's harmful to believe that, right? So you think, and and, and let me tell you, the other unknown secret is Blacks love their lives. Mm. They think it's cool to be Black. They like mm. the fact that white people want to dance like them, want to listen to their mm-hmm. music. They're like, oh, yeah. you all so cool. You got this swag. They love it. They eat it up and they love it. They know it. They think it's cool. They think we drive the culture. People follow us for fashion. All that stuff is cool. Yeah, so why are you complain about your life? Mm. You know, finally, finally, can I tell you something? I heard a, a great uh, point the other day that that Black people, person for person, are the most, cult- in America, are the most culturally influential people in the world by far. And by not even close. 
Yeah, well, but, it's, but it's not. They may tell you, but it's yeah, but it's, it's true, absolutely but true. Uh -huh. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, if you look at the percentage of music, the percentage of culture that really stems from Black culture in America, and then that's exported because it's America to everywhere else in the world. Right. right. Uh, you know. So I think that's fascinating. By the way, I'm on my cell phone internet here, just so mm -hmm. you know, because we have a big thunderstorm. Your thunderstorm in the background. Uh, well, there's thunderstorm in the background. This is the first of many conversations I feel with, with Charles. So with your thunderstorm um, coming on, maybe that's that's our that's our wrap that's for our Friday night. But um, yeah. any final questions though for Charles? This is fast. I mean, it, it's so nice to speak, just to not, yeah, to speak just not real. edit, not edit yourself as you like go along. Just right. have conversations. You know, we need to. I, I want to do something at some point. Model conversations, like mm -hmm. um, you know, like give examples of how to speak like a real human being to other people, <laughs> so that and without walking on eggshells, and that and that becomes the new norm again. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I see. I see a um a, a series with us three. Oh, I can mm. do that. How to not walk yeah. on eggshells, <laughs> and, and and I will leave the, leave people with the notion that to, to keep remembering that um, black life is good, black life is not bad. Stop buying into Julianne Moore telling you we're all being gunned down in the streets. You know, don't believe LeBron. Most black people aren't walking around afraid to go walk in the park. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Okay, not true. Our... I don't know a black person that believes that. Don't know one, and I would stop being that friend if they did. I can't be afraid of somebody who's afraid to go out the house. What are you talking about? You're afraid to go out? What are you talking about? Well, I'm not afraid, but cops are racist. Okay, now I got friends who will say that. But then I'm like, are you afraid of them? No. Because they don't <laughs> even really believe it themselves. They're just saying it. They don't believe that crap. They're fine. They'll be fine. In our next conversation, we have to go over uh, race crazy a little bit more. You do a brilliant job. We will have that conversation. I mean, I'm just going to give a teaser for that conversation. Your breakdown of the money that goes into the movement for black lives is shocking. So there you go. That's the teaser for next time because we have to have that conversation before that. And Google the out. movement for black lives because most people don't know what it is. Holy crap, y'all. Okay, teaser, we're having Charles back. So there you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, part two coming up. Yes, yeah. I appreciate being here. This ends this week's Hold My Drink and Counterweight podcast. But for the curious, I share this week our outtakes, but fair warning, this is a trigger warning, if you will, the rest is real talk with a hot mic. So feel free to turn off the podcast now or proceed at your own discretion. I will, I'll cut it there, but yeah, Charles, this is, <laughs> this has got to be the Did first Did you even get to 1619 yet? No, okay. I'm actually I'll be done by Friday. I know, I know. I'm a liar. I'm a little freaking liar. And by the way, speaking of which, here I'm a little fucking liar, David. There you go. There's oh, my look, no, she turns off the camera. Line. It does not go. Yeah, she she turns off the camera. And now she's just uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Now, now I can curse. Now she's red fox. Oh, hello there. I think she just <laughs> said nigger. I can't believe that. Did she really? No. <laughs> Look at her. I just wanted to see her face. There's nothing funny. I got to say, one of my things, jokes is there's nothing funnier than black people just saying nigger to white people. It's just funny. Especially says now, even black people say the N-word. I'm like, no. I used to walk into work in a corporate America and be like, why? where did the niggers go? And they're like, you can't say it. I'm like, wow, I'm black. I can say whatever I want. You all created this stupid culture. I'm going to milk it for all this worth, nigger. <laughs> I think... <laughs> 
that the acceptable now is if a white person doesn't use a hard R, that it's borderline maybe acceptable. Right, no. get yourself canceled and see what happens. Yeah, Chris Rock says only at like 4:45 p.m. on Christmas Eve can a can a, a white person do it after he's like been beaten to a oh, I, I used to work know, with, I used to work with a guy, and I would keep saying it. And I was like, because I'm trying to get him to say it. If I keep saying it enough times, you're gonna accidentally let it slip. Like for real. Like I don't I only right. use the term just to make white people uncomfortable because it's so stupid. I don't care. But, but yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. But well, yeah, you were, you were going to give me some random ex- excuse as to why you couldn't read the book. Like, uh, my, no, my power yeah. went out. My power went out. Yeah, yeah David, David dropping off because his power went out. Now, um, <laughs> I believe in the thunderstorm. Um, no, be- I had some some family. I'm on 1619 now. And we need to talk 1619 because you've seen that I've written 1619. So that, oh, is, yeah, even that, another, that is even another conversation. And actually, with every essay, just like mine was. Yes. I know how to because we're like great minds and stuff. Yeah. So that has got to be its own uh, podcast. So I'm actually on it, and it will be. It really will be done this week. I'm a week late. It really will be done. But this I'm week. telling you, when you read, you might not even want to read the rest after you read my my parallel to Nicole Hannah Jones because I felt that that's laying the groundwork. She's the founder. It's the longest essay. I'm going in. So it's. I think it's twice as long as any other chapter in the book. Just me mm-hmm. killing. Nicole Hannah Jones. Mm-hmm. We've got to like Talk yes. When 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 we when we have family, that car- family. So she talks about. I don't know if you read the essay, yes. David. Yeah. She talked about her father went out there. So I said, fine. I'm gonna talk about my father. Mm-hmm. My father versus your father. Both black in America. Let's go. My father's older than your father, so he grew up even older than you did. Let's talk about that. And so that's I write about it. The way he grew up, all that kind of stuff. It's funny. It's it's it's, it's it, and you know that oh. Yeah, that's 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 the point that where it, where it shifts. That in the movement for Black Lives, mostly because people don't know about it. Well, that that to me so far, not you know going on the sixteen nineteen yet right. is. Cra- I mean, I had never it, heard of it when I did it. When I I started the book without knowing what it was. I started writing the book. My goal was I got a pitch from the publisher saying I want you to write a book about sixteen nineteen, like all the stuff they're about. And no BLM, I'm sorry. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so I'm writing about BLM. And then I'm trying to find some stuff and I'm like, I don't see anything else. They don't really say anything. It's just a couple of pictures. There's nothing here, right? And I'm like, and then I find something and then I find this site. It's almost like when you watch those tech movies about these hackers and you click a button and all these files start opening. You can't stop them from opening. So there's all this treasure trove of stuff and, and, and legislation and all these, these quotes, but they're not on the BLM site. So nobody's ever seen them, right? Everybody's going to be on limbo. So let's see what they say. It doesn't say anything. And it's the money. It's the, it's the money. And and you you made a, made a point that I even wrote this down. Was I, I was going to ask you? Has the movement been co opted and used for a platform for another agenda? Because you say it sounds more like something that Bernie Sanders would say than Malcolm X. Right. It doesn't say anything about. I mean, they don't even talk about it's police the, anymore. No, it's no. the whole. It was founded on police brutality. They don't talk about police. They don't talk about police or the black man. It's no, all cis, cis, what's the word they made up? Cis I just, like, hetero. Cis hetero patriarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cis hetero patriarchy. I'm like, what is that? But they used it like five times. Which makes it think that it has been co-opted for another oh, agenda. Oh, trans, queer, LGBT, Oh, you women, lay it out. Them. Yeah. Oh, which are fine, but it's like the fact that it's hidden. Yeah, but they never what... say men. But they, they gave oh, they a never two paragraph list of the people that they're fighting for and they never say men. Mm-hmm. But black men are the ones supposedly being shot in the street, not black women. Yeah. And Jews, by the way, for the record, David, Jews. 
They mention <laughs> Muslims. They mention Muslims. They mention Christians negatively, and they yeah. don't mention Jews. Yeah. We, they, we complicate their lives a little bit. But look, they took out the, you should be happy. They took down the BD, <laughs> they took down the uh, BDS. Right. The, the, yeah, the movement. Yeah, the movement. Was the movement their whole platform. Right? Yeah, you can't find it anymore. Like, I've tried to, like, oh, this thing has disappeared. I don't well, You know what? I have a theory about that. Can I tell you? I have a theory yeah. about this whole thing. I think that that what's ha that if you go back to 2016 when that original platform was issued by the Movement for Black Lives, that at that time, Black Lives Matter thought of itself as an intersectional movement, that they were going to be um, helping all. I think today it's no longer an intersectional movement, um, even in the Kimberly Crenshaw sense. I think it is a centering Black lives movement. And that means mm. it's almost, an, and and that's no longer uh, about intersectionality. It's like, so if you say, well, I've been impressed too, they're saying, no, we're going to center Black lives right now. And so I think it's actually shifted gears since then. You, you, you're going to love this. We should have a conversation about this. Jennifer, I don't know how far she got in the book, but I think she can tell what I'm about to mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I totally disagree with you. I think it's the exact opposite of what you said. I think it was founded on Blackness. Founded like, we need to, I think Blacks are being shot and it's unfair. I'm giving them the, the bit of it, right? It's founded on Black. This is what I, I don't think I wrote this in this book. I wrote it in last book. I think some Black people got together. They thought Trayvon got the shaft. They thought police were bad. They thought, we should do something. Pro-Black all about the black man right and then it's like well, we should raise money and somebody some george soros type came up and said look i like what you all doing and you're going to need some money to really push this forward i can make that happen so how much have you raised we raised twenty six thousand dollars. well look i give you five million but i'm gonna need you to put some other shit on your platform well five million? Oh, what do you want me to put on that you can stick with the black thing you can be black heavy blm put your fist up there but i'm gonna need some bds and some uh more liberal political stuff on your site but five million dollars okay so that's what okay. i think i think it happened the other way i think they truly wanted to be focused on black and they got bought out right so the people saw an opportunity the hard left saw an opportunity to use this to trojan horse some other stuff yeah, the three women were lesbians. Well, so that's for sure. With, like I, that, that, that last part. part, that last part's for sure. That the hard left, the non-black hard left, saw said, "Okay, we're going to ride this well, wave." Well, that's the problem with what you're saying, Dave. You think uh, uh, Alicia Garza and Patrice Cullors came up with cis heteropatriarchy? Yeah, they're kind of Marxist. So. I mean, they you call themselves the Marxists. They're not smart enough to come up with the term. They're not that smart. Yeah, okay, so they brought some other folk in to do that. But, they, right? but um, <laughs> that's why they put they opened with BDS and then went the other way. They took the BD, BDS off because it started to hurt them, but they opened because somebody paid them to do it. So it was like, if you're okay, going to take so my money. That, that is possible. I am 100% possible, okay? I just, I added my own mind. They're not black now. And in the end now, you said, and then they shifted to this all black thing. They're not black now. They're all intersectional now. They're all like, yeah, no, everybody. They're not. Every group. Oh, no, they're yeah, not. Yeah. No, no, you hear the centering black, the centering the black, centering oh, black. Go to a rally and tell me who's there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. I want to. I want to investigate that further. That okay. is something I want to investigate okay. further. So you need All to right. read the book I and then go. we investigate it, and that's our next conversation. Next conversation. Okay. All right. Talk All to right. you all later. Have all a good right. night. <laughs> Bye, Thanks, Charles. It was a lot of fun. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hold My Drink. 
like or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes for links to source material and to our website where you can find what each of us is reading every week. Different news with different views. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore, drop us a line. And join us next week as we say hold my drink and the conversation gets real.